You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name's Jeremy. And we're here to discuss X-Men 52, the January 1969. We made it into 69. 69. titled... The Twilight of the Mutants. Oh. It's like the fall of the mutants, but the beginning of the fall. Wait, no. It's nothing like that at all. It's a yes, neat name, though. a seven-parter that will run through several Marvel titles. <laughs> awesome. The first of many. Um, I have to say that uh, Jim Starenko's artwork has sure fallen by the wayside. This cover's awful. Oh, he's gone, my friend. Oh, wait a minute. This isn't Jim Starenko. Nobody put their <laughs> name on this. Like, nobody wants to take credit for this title. And why would they? <laughs> and this one, in a, in, a, in a weird twist, has also decided to put the title of the comic book on the cover as well. So, at the bottom, it says Twilight of the Mutants. Yeah, it's a weird, it's got a weird kind of black bar bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like they didn't feel like drawing the ground, so instead they drew a black bar. Yeah, so uh, you have Eric the Red, who we were introduced last issue. Now help me out here. Eric the Red was, um, did he like emerge from the ground or something? I, uh, he showed up in the desert. I don't think he emerged from the ground. Mm. But as I am. Reading the omnibus, I can flip back a few pages. Let's all take a moment and flip back with Adam a couple pages. Nope, the ground crumbled beneath his power, but there is no sign of him emerging from the ground. Okay, I was just trying to figure out how he was introduced. But anyways, okay. He just shows up on a radar, and then the ground crumbles, and then he's suddenly there, shouting, Ho! Thundercats! (laughs) Ooh, Mumra, you're gonna get it now! So as we open oh, up, yeah. we open up the book. Oh wait, I want to point out that on the cover, he is blasting four X Men and Magneto, which is a rather odd grouping. True, we have Angel, Marvel Girl, Iceman, Beast, Magneto, but no Mesmero or Cyclops. It must mean that Cyclops is dressed up as Magneto. I think you're right. And Mesmero is actually Eric the Red. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only thing that could possibly make sense. And Magneto never actually came back to life because he died on those rocks. Right. Yeah, okay. So this this issue is kind of putting back everything the way it was supposed to be. It turns out that Cyclops has been dressing up as Magneto this whole time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like Friday the 13th Part 5 or something, Jason Returns, but it's not actually Jason. It's just some guy who's dressing up as Jason. That's what it's like. Oh. (laughs) Just like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Totally, yes. Um, Yes. So this is edited by Stan Lee, written by Arnold Drake. Written or I mean drawn by Don Heck and Werner Roth, inked by John Tartaglioni and lettered by Sam Rosen. So apparently, um, Jim Steranko got two bites at the apple and he's like, "No more, <laughs> I do not like these X Men." So 
what happened at the end? Like, so uh, Eric the Red appears. He's uh, Magneto's wounded by like some rocks or something. Yeah, the Cyclops blows up the uh, the roof of their base, and it all collapses, and some pivotal part of it lands on Magneto's legs. Okay, making him temporarily paralyzed. So the Suntaran like mutants, I guess they're like mutants with the same generic power, but and they all wear the same suit. I think is what Do we they came all up have with. the same power. I thought they had different powers. Well, they all like formed a circle, and then they from did that form a ring, and from that ring, like emitted energy, mutant energy, or something. So those guys are trying to take Eric the Red down, and uh, Mesmero is just kind of in the background, like dancing around like a maniac. Yeah. <laughs> he's doing. He's got these little hip hop moves on. <laughs> yo, yo, bring him down, bring him down. Mesmero's holding up the roof, y'all. <laughs> holding up the roof, y'all. Uh, yeah, and he says, oh, this guy is going to come and destroy our Lord. We must destroy him. There are five of those school-time photos on the side yeah. of the X-Men. Mm -hmm. These were taken from their early days at Xavier's. Yeah. They look like they're posing for school photos. Yeah, and it's yeah, it kind of looks like Cyclops' old mask. Especially yeah. Beast. He's like, hey there. Hey, everybody. I'm graduated. So we move to the next page, and uh, Eric the Red is shooting energy beams from his hands. I want to point Mighty that out again. Mighty wax. Yeah, he's shooting energy beams from his hands. So that must be his mutant power, the ability right. to shoot from his hands. I believe last issue he was shooting them from his fingertips, but now oh. they've changed it. Well, it's hand hand vicinity is fine by me. Like, I can forgive that. Um. So he takes out some of those Santoran guys, and um, Mesmero's like, enough! And he comes up with one of the best plans. Attack, one <laughs> at a time, or in unison. Use any method and all weapons. But he must not prevail. Brilliant. It's like, it's like when General Panaka in episode one said, red group, blue group, everyone, this way. <laughs> oh, wonderful plan, Panaka. <laughs> Uh, and Eric the Red says that your illusions, uh, will shatter into 10,000 pieces before your eyes. And he shoots him with his hand. I can't and, stress that enough. He <laughs> blasts the, uh, wow. He, he, he's doing some major damage with his hands. Yeah. He's blasting Santarans left and right. Um, rips open the, the sternum of this Santoran. Does he? Oh yeah. Well, he it looks totally like it does. Rips him in half. Yeah. <laughs> well, not quite. But yeah, well, actually, yeah, he shoots him and his chest plate bursts. Uh, so one could assume that, you know, in the next panel, his guts would be hanging out all over the floor. They just don't show that. It's the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> See how they fall before my own mutant might in wholesale lots? He's become a salesman. Wow. This continuing the snappy, pattery Arnold uh, Drake uh, patter. Mm -hmm. Snippity, snappity. Snoopity, Snoop Dogg. The, the, the witty repartee, is that right? Reporte. Yes, yeah. in which everybody is a joker. Yeah. Mesmero uh, is, uh, he outnumbers him, um, I suppose, I guess is what he says. Now, Mesmero has the ability to, to hypnotize, I thought, is what we had established. I have no idea. You know, it's been like four issues he's been in, three or four issues, and I have no idea what his powers are. I guess I'm only saying that because I, I know future Mesmero, and I guess they really haven't explicitly said what Mesmero does. <laughs> he, 
here. I gather so. he's some sort of hypnotizer, as you say, and yeah. uh, you know he's like a like a mastermind. Yeah. Uh, yet uh, Eric the Red, he he's not getting any of this uh, mesmerum, if you will. He's just shooting away from his little fingertip blasts. Things are being destructed all over the place, and it uh, a well aimed shot begins a wild chain reaction. Hmm, much like Cyclops did in the last issue. Weird. So they just rebuilt the base, <laughs> and now Eric Red, realizing that he can't be, uh, he can't defeat all of these guys, shoots down the base again. Yeah, and uh, it's at this point that Mesmero comes up with his next plan, and that is to run, run, <laughs> <laughs> and so they run. If we do not die amid the debris, our escape will still be sealed completely. Although I guess he's giving up. Yeah, yeah. So much no for two ways about it. We're screwed. <laughs> it's every man for himself. So we flip now over to um, Lorna Dane, who has changed headpieces. Has she? Well, it's the same kind of design, but it's it's now it's more well, it's just drawn by a different artist. Yeah, so it's different, Adam. Yeah, but it's. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's if Jim Cherenko would were drawing this issue, it would be the same. I have a feeling that uh, when they made Lorna Dane into a mutant, they gave her a whole closet full of headpieces. <laughs> <laughs> and she just goes into her bedroom from time to time and changes them because she likes pretty things. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to disagree on the grounds that that's crazy, but all right. Well, so anyways, she she's going a little crazy herself. She's trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. Everybody's trapped by this guy called Eric the Red, who's coming to get me. His goal is clear. He's going to take over Magneto. But I wish my course were as clear as his course, because I got Magneto's blood in my veins. I don't know what I'm doing. I must defend Magneto with my very life. Yeah. So she's conflicted, I guess, is what we're learning. And she remembers that Iceman certainly did not lie when he spoke of Magneto's evil history. <laughs> Eric the Red runs in and she's all like, Stop where you are. I am the daughter of Magneto. The power that is his is also mine to command. And he's all like, Do you think that it is that simple to turn yourself into a cold blooded killer? Never mind. Never mind. I did not come here to debate morality. I have something important to tell you. I'm your father. <laughs> and then Iceman walks in and he says, no, I am your father. And then <laughs> Professor Xavier, who actually hasn't been dead, he comes in and he says, no, I am your father. And so it begins. No. And then Lorna Dane says, is there anyone here who is not my father? <laughs> Beast steps up and is like, look, I've never had sex with a woman, so it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, so Lorna Dane, I guess she has the power of magnetism, just like her father, as revealed here. Yeah. Finally. Finally, we get some concrete uh, uh, detail of a power. So the important thing that Eric the Red has to tell her is that he has not come to menace Magneto. He comes to join him because uh -huh. Magneto is his inspiration and personal image of perfection. Wow. Lorna this says... Like idolizing Magneto. Lorna says, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh I'm at a loss. This is this happens so fast. So she's talking to Eric the Red. I'm at a loss. All that I can do is discuss this with Magneto himself. 
Next panel. Magneto, what do you think of this Eric the Red guy? <laughs> well, I think... Magneto's we been there the whole time. He was hiding in the corner. He pops out. I took this as like she ran across the hallway. Like, not that Magneto is here. Because there's no, like... I think he was... He was. He's in like a garbage can. <laughs> he's just he's like hiding pop- in a garbage can. And she pulls off the top. And that's why you only see his head in the next panel. He pops Coming out of the corner. He pops out. He, pop- mm-hmm. he pops his head. I was like, is it safe? <laughs> It's a trap, she says. No, she says, uh, is this some sort of trap? Can we trust him? And Magneto says, well, we don't really have any choices, so uh, sure, why not? Let's trust him. And so then... Except his word at the very least. It shall buy us time. So then in the next panel, we flip back to Lorna talking to Eric the Red. So again, she's ran across the base. <laughs> or Magneto has ducked back behind the corner that he was. Yeah, she put she put the garbage can back on, the lid on back on. Psst, Lorna, Lorna over here. <laughs> tell him we'll trust him. Uh, Lorna, who are you talking to? Nobody. Shh, don't let, don't tell him I'm here. <laughs> Is that Magneto in that garbage can? No, no. All right. Well, I guess uh, I uh, not that I was talking to Magneto over there, but uh, we agree. So. Eric the Red demands that they do, they do, they 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 give them they give him full allegiance and that he is their leader until Magneto recovers. That's a good plan. Yeah. Oh, we don't really know what reason, but sure, what the heck? Uh, at this point, I'll accept just about anything. Yeah, they don't want to get destroyed. Yeah, and this guy's clearly destroying them. He's got a lot of power. Look at he's muscly and tall, and he shoots from his fingers. <laughs> she's a little worried that Masmiro won't trust him and he says don't worry about that it's between me and him and he has no choice yep the new conditions must be made clear to him that shall be my task so that it is done without anger so he's a diplomat too yeah and uh, he's also very uh, confident in himself so he's like so uh, you know he'll know who calls the shots uh Lead on, beauteous lady. Yeah. He's a he's a hip cat. Yeah. So now we flip to a very odd panel of Marvel Girl. Sitting on a fabulous chair. It is fabulous. It looks like it has three legs. She's arc, she's got her back arced up and her breasts are sticking straight out as if she's either very uncomfortable or posing for an artist. You know, I thought she was putting on her makeup, but there's no makeup kit around here. I don't know. There's like a Cylon mask on the on the uh, counter there. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't I know. thought she was looking into a mirror and applying some makeup. She's kind of in that makeup sitting posture. Yeah, but... well, it looks like somebody else should be applying makeup to her. Right. Yeah. None of that is happening. No, she's just standing I don't know there. what's going on. So she gets contacted by Cyclops uh, and saying, okay, we're all ready. Good luck, Marvel Girl. She... Ready to begin Operation Twilight. That's right. She bring out the vampire, the shiny, shiny vampire. This is the first appearance of Blade in the uh, Marvel universe. Yep. <laughs> so she relays the message over to Beast, and and uh, Beast apparently is just hanging out on a flagpole, <laughs> yeah. just seeing if he can bend it. it. Yep, I can bend it. I can still bend it. Yep, <laughs> I, I'm still can bend it. I'm still strong, or heavy. <laughs> And she says, drop everything and report to the prearranged rendezvous point. You know, like he could have been doing anything else, like reading a book or at the <laughs> coffee shop. And He's this like would have made bounding him... around, being all beast like. 
I guess that's what you do when you're a beast. So he... I shall be there in three bounces and a swoosh, he says. To which Marvel Girl says, why do we keep you on the team? (laughs) (laughs) You're you're not funny. You're in the closet and you won't admit it. I'm not in the closet. (laughs) (laughs) I won't admit it. No, there's nothing to admit. Angels flying around underneath the uh, Golden Gate Bridge, I guess, because they're in San Francisco, correct? Spooking the uh, passers-by in their cars. Apparently in the 60s, it was uh, only frowned upon to drive drunk and not actually illegal. (laughs) Yes. Did you see that, Mildred? A guy flying under the bridge with wings. Herman, how many times have I told you not to drink before driving? So, Mildred... When you get home, straight to the moon. They rendezvous at the base, I guess. Right? Uh, The trio comes together with precision timing. I'm so confused. Like, last issue we left, the whole base was crumbling apart. I think they're at the base. Yeah, they're they're at uh, Mesmero's base. Or I guess Eric the Red's base now. (laughs) So the whole thing collapsed. They all went... Well, wait a minute. The whole thing collapsed. Magneto was hurt. Eric the Red showed up and said, I'm going to get you, you guys. And then they went... The X-Men were at their apartment or wherever they are, and they're like, Iceman, you're off the case. Right? Do I have this right? Yeah, I'm so, that is totally correct. Okay, I'm so confused as to like, why they left. And they're like, okay, the plan is that we're going to leave, and then we're going to come back. Well, they had to get Iceman off the team. Oh, that was part of the plan. Okay. All right. Well, I don't know about that, but they had to get Iceman off the team. I have a feeling that everything is going to be made clear within the next uh, 10 pages. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I hope so. Uh, so they actually talk a little bit about Iceman, how odd it is that they are preparing for battle without him. Uh, but again, they had to get him off the case. Like, I guess they're detectives or something. <laughs> But Sarge, you gotta you let know. me on the case. It's my last case. Son, you're off the case. Go retire. <laughs> I'm three days away. I can't have this hanging over my head. You're too involved. Spit loyalty is not conducive to total dedication. <laughs> so we flip back now to Eric the Red and Polaris. I guess she's not called Polaris yet. No, she's, she's Lorna Dane. Lorna Dane. So I don't know who this Polaris person is that you keep. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, uh, they confront um, Mesmero, who is doing a a very interesting Toad impression here in this panel. <laughs> oh, Mesmero! Essentially, Mesmero has become Toad to Eric the Red's Magneto. I guess so. Yeah, he's also except squ- that except that he's against Eric the Red. Yeah. He's got his he's he's hunched over, he's got his fist out and he's pointing up in the air like a like a toad do. <laughs> but uh yeah, he's like, uh, oh come on, I've had devotion and I've lavished that upon your father. How can I be cast aside for this usurper? And he changes his mind. Yet if Magneto commands, I have no choice. Yeah, you know, I'll go along for it for a little while. Eric the Red's all like, that's a good decision. Now let's go get those X-Men, because soon they will return. But when it's over, says Mesmero, we shall have deadliest combat. Yes. I'm looking forward to that deadliest combat. Me too. I'm not satisfied with his declaration of devotion to Magneto. 
It is best that I keep him under close surveillance, says Eric the Red. Mm-hmm. Lorna's all like, do what you think is best. She senses that he is unlike the others of this band. He doesn't exude the strange evil vibrations that even his newfound father, even her newfound father has. Mm-hmm. So she's apparently got some of that psychic power that, uh, that uh, Magneto used to have. Then apparently it seems that Magneto was reading her mind. Ah, which is why I bring that up, because uh, at one point you and I had talked about the fact that maybe they would just write that mental power thing out of the comic book. But uh, she's back talking to Magneto, and he's like, okay, well, we're going to go along with this Eric the Red guy for a while, but as soon as I'm healed up, that's when we strike. And she's like, oh, is that what I have to look forward to, loneliness next to this strange man? And Magneto's like, be careful, my child, for I'm aware of your most secret musings. Like he's reading her mind. <gasps> like, yes, they have not yet written that power out of the comic book. You know, or maybe she just said that out loud. <laughs> Did I say the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet? <laughs> Anyhow. So they're doing the X-Men, the three X-Men are watching Masmiro walk away. So they are in the base? Yeah, I guess so. And then Beast wants to attack them now, and Cyclops is like, Beast, WTF, man. Cyclops worked out this plan to the last detail. We'll stick to that schedule. It's it's Marvel Girl that says that. Who did I say? You said Cyclops said that. That's, oh. a, that's an important detail, Adam, and you know it. I clearly meant Marvel Girl. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Marvel Girl is relaying Cyclops' plan, which is kind of out of character for Beast. I mean, he's supposed to be the smart one, right? So why is he all being so impetuous? Oh, he's always impetuous. It would be out of character for Beast not to be impetuous. I'm going to go take him on myself. <laughs> uh, so they're waiting for the right moment, and it's at this point that Eric the Red turns around and says, Who dares invade the sacred lair of all of the all-powerful Magneto? To which Beast responds, Yay! <laughs> oh, gosh, guys, we've been spotted. Prepare for attack. Who is it? What? Why figure does... in the shadows can't make him out. Why does Beast say this? Clearly, it's Eric the Red. Well, he's in the shadows. He can't make him out. What? Oh, all right. Look again, chum. You've got a small surprise coming. And then Beast turns into Gambit. Sacre bleu. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. Gambit probably would never say that anyway. <laughs> and I don't even know who Gambit is. So forget it. Who is this Gambit that you speak of? The one, the only, the original, Cyclops! Oh, it's so good to see you! you... And that's when Eric the Red blasts them all. <laughs> I'm not Cyclops! <laughs> yes, apparently Eric the Red has been Cyclops this entire time. Which, Cyclops said he had a plan last issue, and I guess this was it. I will infiltrate them as a villain named Eric the Red. Apparently he didn't tell... Did he tell anybody? Yeah, he he must have told them. He, he told Marvel Girl. Did he tell everybody else? No, he, they they recognize him. Yeah, and so by telling Iceman this would have, like, foiled the plan? Well, Iceman ran out before they he got a chance to tell them the plan. He ran out because Iceman... T or, I mean, because Cyclops took him off the case. Right. Well, sort of. I mean, they got into a fight. All right. Before, I mean, Cyclops was like, 
you got to sit this one out, buddy. And the nice man all flipped out and was like, no, I'm not a traitor. Yeah. And then he ran and he ran out. So my question here is if he's so confident and tall and muscly and can shoot things from his hands and take over Magneto, why doesn't he just be Eric the Red and stop being a Cyclops? Well, see, I'm wondering, like, this is like a great plan. I mean, it's worked out perfectly. So he's he's going to do this from now on, right? Yeah. This is just be his go-to plan. Disguise myself as somebody else. <laughs> plan Eric the Red. Oh, good one, Cyclops. I'm uh, Fred the Red now. <laughs> and where did he get this Eric the Red costume that shoots things from its hands? We've already... City. Party City. We've already established that the X-Men have no money. They're borrowing the Avengers flying car thing. Well, he he got this costume from Party City, and then Beast kind of rebuilt it so that it would shoot his eye beams uh, out, through the costume out his hands. I was waiting for that. So his eye beams are redirected to his fingertips. They gotta be. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that they'll there will be some explanation to that somewhere in this comic book. I I don't know. I don't know where he's shooting out of. It's 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 all different. It's it's yellow. Yeah, yeah, it's So they tape down the floor with some copper tape. Cuz this is also part of Cyclops' plan. They're going to send 1000 volts of electricity through whoever crosses this electro tape. This is the stupidest plan ever. <laughs> yes, yes. It was a good plan when he was Eric the Red and infiltrating the bad guys, but now he's lining the floor with copper tape. Yes, and then the next page, I like the irony of brag or of bagging these miserable misfits with their own house current, which isn't that funny. But look at his pose; he's in like tantrum mode. Yeah, he's excited. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Cyclops parties when he's excited. Yeah, he's he's starting to feel the villain side. Ah, careful, Cyclops. Once you get a small taste, you can never turn back. (laughs) All of a sudden, a familiar form comes barreling into the room, thinking to himself, Wait till the others hear what I learned about Lorna in her hometown. Especially Psyche. He'll really eat crow. Now, she walked 1,200 miles to get to San Francisco. <laughs> How long has it been since this Eric the Red plan was hatched? A couple of years. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know, Iceman, he's able to ice around the world pretty fast. Pew, pew. 1,200 miles? I mean, just, I don't know how long or how wide the United States is, but just, I mean... That puts her in the middle of the United States, or very close, probably to the East Coast. So maybe he iced himself to the bottom of a plane. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. I, I could. I guess I could buy that. You know, FAA wasn't wasn't quite as established back in the '60s. So. Anyhow, all right. <clears throat> uh, what I want to know is why he's coming to the base. Is he planning on taking on Mesmero and Magneto all by himself? Well, he doesn't know the X-Men are here. He went to the apartment, and the apartment said, out to get Magneto back <laughs> soon. And he's like, oh, sure nice of them to leave a note. <laughs> uh, so he comes running, and Angel sees it, and he's like, oh, no, don't tell me. It's what I think and it is. And rather than say, say to Cyclops, Cyclops, it's Iceman, stop. He says, Hank, 
Do you see what I see? Tell me I'm wrong, buddy. <laughs> I can't because it's true. That's not Mesmero. It's Bobby himself. Sykes, stop. Don't pull the switch. What? Don't or pull? <laughs> Are you telling me to pull the switch or not pull the switch? I can't hear you. Zap. <clears throat> and that's when uh, Iceman goes down and he dies, which is actually pretty sad. Because, I mean, he's he's all icy water, and that conducted electricity like nothing. So it went all through his body, and basically when he de-ices, there's nothing left. Uh, but wait, Psych cut the power the moment Bobby hit the copper tank, so the impact was reduced. Oh. Woo. Right, I was worried there for a second. So Iceman doesn't die. Nope, he's just badly beaten. He got a pretty good jolt. A kid who wasn't in top condition would have been finished by it. Suddenly, did Psychops have his back turned or something? It was like, oh, here he comes. I know it's him, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna turn my back and pull the, the switch. But wait, at the last minute, oh, I guess I realize it's Bobby. I better pull the switch back. <laughs> Iceman was running so fast that <laughs> nobody could even see him hardly before it was too late. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's kind of ironic that it in the page prior to this. Cyclops walks in on the X-Men, and they're all surprised to see each other. And then the next page, Iceman walks in on the X-Men, and they're all surprised to see each other, and then they blast him. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, they expected that he was off the case. It's just dumb. <laughs> Look, you'll get no disagreement from me. Can we move on? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. It's at this point that the power supply is blasted, and unless Eric the Red misses his guess... It was radio energy, mutant power. That can only mean, what can it mean? What can it only mean, Adam? <laughs> well, radio power, mutant power, that's got to be Mesmero. <laughs> Apparently, we've learned what his power is. Um, You were about to guess quite accurately. It is I, Mesmero, lovable green Mesmero. <laughs> Master of radio energy. <laughs> Radio energy. So he uh, does not have uh, mesmering powers. He has radio powers. Mutant powers, you might say. <laughs> yes, he can change the radio station from across the room by a waggle of his <laughs> finger. I hate this channel. <laughs> I don't like this rock and roll. It's scary. I'm afraid of the kids these days. <laughs> Yes, your kids and your mop tops. I'm going to go put my green uniform on and my helmet and listen to some old-timey jazz. Angel does this gravity-defying kick in which he swoops upside down uh, and then goes really, really low and comes up and kicks people in, the, like, three uh, Cybertrons or whatever they're called in the face. Yeah, and then uh, Marvel Girl, she takes two of them out with her telepathy. Or, no... She puts a ring of psychic energy around them until they are out of range of Beast and Iceman. And Beast runs away. Yeah, so apparently... I'll be back! <laughs> then we can all have a gay gavotte. It'll be exciting. Finally! <laughs> he is literally admitting it here. We can have a gay gavotte. I don't know what that means, but I'm sure it means something involving two guys. Filthy. <laughs> I've yes. been in a gavotte before, and man... <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> once you go gavotte, you don't go back. <laughs> I'm going to have to look that word up. 
the Birdman will not fly half so well when he carries all of us. So three of the Suntoran guys tackle Angel, and he's trying to fly around with them. They're not far from wrong, but the only way to stop these guys is to KO Mesmero. That's the ticket. And that rhymes. We got to KO Mesmero. <laughs> and thus, rap is born. Shot of my mutant energy searing through me. Mesmero struck first. Eeyah! The return of the Eeyah. Finally. Your body cannot lock stand the impact of raw mutant energy. This is your final moment, Angel. So Mesmero sh shoots people with mutant energy. I yes. Guess. He has radio mutant energy. He has the power to control mutant energy. Radio energy. <laughs> That's awesome. He gets kicked in the face by Beast. Who calls him Mezzy? <laughs> As is the Marvel way. Yes. Cute little cute little nicknames for villains. Always ends in E. Yep. Maggie. Mm -hmm. Psyche. Beastie. <laughs> Marvy Gurley. Icy. Professy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So more mutant energy is shot at Beast. And then Marvel Girl jumps in with her thought waves. Um, oh, and she's doing a little groovy dance here, too. She's all like, do a little dance, make a little love, get down tonight. She, her, meant, her, her thought waves are only energized by the power of disco. <laughs> so it's the birth of dazzler yes so there you go uh she can you take it as well as you spoon it out so somebody wheels in an energy cannon and they're <laughs> gonna shoot i guess they're gonna shoot eric the red or cyclops grizz yow says mesmero where does he say that oh there he says that okay uh, Yow! <laughs> yeah, well, he's looking at those dance moves. <laughs> Yow, baby! You're cooking! Here it is, gentlemen, a personal memento from Cyclops, alias Eric the Red. So, again, he's shooting energy pulses from his hands. He should just keep this suit. Did he get it from Iron Man or something? He must have. This is like the... Uh, the nightclub version of the Iron Man suit is <laughs> <laughs> missing some plates to show off muscles and legs. Lord. It's really a pretty awful suit when you think about it. Cause it, it's, it leaves him absolutely like, uh, in, in danger with all the areas of skin that are available for striking. Yeah. You got the option to puncture a kidney or a lung. His heart's mostly covered. Um, you could take out a knee, yeah, yeah, lots of vulnerabilities here. Uh, so we get a nice split panel here of Marvel Girl and Mesmero using their psychic energies and mutant raw mutant energies against one another. It's, it's doing of... rad dance moves. This is totally another dance scene. There's no floor, just a psychedelic light show going on in the background. I'm convinced that all of these people took shrooms and none of this is happening. <laughs> they're all just they're all just laying on the floor kind of writhing around going hey Mesmero <laughs> and really there is no Mesmero because I mean that whole city of mutants mountainscape acid trip that's where it began that doesn't exist 
This whole thing is a crazy acid trip yeah. of Herman and Mildred. Green-haired women? This does. This, none of this is real. I mean, again, Magneto died on the rock, so come on. Come on, everybody. Use your imagination. Uh, Beast is spinning around, uh, kicking more kick of some this. some dudes. Kicking those Suntoran guys. Yep. Good stuff. Magneto's all like, see how bad the X-Men are? They're totally going to kill me. Lord of Dane's like, uh... I guess I better. I guess I better help you then. Yep. How then, or how say you then, girl? Will you let me be turned into driest dust? Is that an option? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that's yes. And then so Lorna turns around and she's 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 gonna go and get those X Men, I guess. Uh, but at this point, Iceman jumps in and says, "Lorna, wait! You've been tricked, and I can prove it." I just woke up to tell you because I was previously unconscious. Yes, yes. And, uh, and Beast dropped me off nearby here. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing that I found you after I woke up in this strange place after being zapped by a thousand volts. But I'm here. It's proving my love. Iceman, and you're Bobby as well, aren't you? So she connects the dots pretty quickly on that one. Good for her. Apparently, this is the thing, that Magneto is not actually Lorna's father. Lorna's parents were actually killed two weeks in a plane crash after she was born, and her father's sister and husband took her in and brought her up. But they were afraid that she'd be hung up when when she learned that she was adopted. I don't know if that's like some 60s slang or if she would literally be strung up like, ooh, she's adopted, get a rope. <laughs> well, that's the thing that people in the 60s, they don't like mutants, they don't like adopted kids. <laughs> you damn orphan. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what that means. But anyways, uh, Magneto spotted your mutant powers and then sniffed out this story and concocted this whole thing. And Iceman has affidavits to support all of it. So I want to back up and cover two points. Why were Lorna's parents flying around in an airplane two weeks after she was born without Lorna? Um, well, you know, it's the swinging 60s. I just had this baby now. Let's go off to the West Coast and party. <laughs> they made plans earlier, like eight, ten months earlier. Oh, and then they... They had to get this flight. They yeah. didn't want to bring the baby. And then she got pregnant. It's like, well, what are we going to do about this kid? I ah, don't worry about it. We'll, well, your sister will watch her. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. That that I can buy. The second thing here is the affidavits. The He's like, I went to the newspaper files. I talked to your folks. I talked to your neighbors. I went to the library. I zoomed into the future and did research on the internet. Okay, he didn't do I got that. microfiche. He's got microfiche in slides and affidavits. None of that seems like it would be very quick to obtain. Neither does any of it seem like it would be... Uh, plausible? Yeah. <laughs> plausible. And also, I, I don't know, what kind of affidavits does he have that could actually prove any of this? Signed, well, signed affidavits. A birth certificate? I don't know. I, I'm I'm a little fuzzy on the affidavit. You like have something and then you sign it, and the lawyer watched it, and it's like, oh, there you go. Well, I I had this baby. Can you sign this, Mister Lawyer? <laughs> oh, sure. That's yeah, us. Oh yeah, yeah, it's your baby. It's Hold an on. affidavit now. Um, 
Hey, but but I mean, okay, let's let's back up and say all of that is possible to do all of that research and f- track down all of these people and get all of this information. I mean, all Iceman knows about Lorna Dane is that she walked 1,200 miles and woke up uh, in the middle of traffic. I don't recall any time where she's like, yeah, I'm from Ohio, this little town in Ohio, and I live in a white house. It's actually 123 Main Street. My parents are named Rex and Matilda. Well, see, Iceman, using his logical detective skills, figured out a 1,200-mile circle around the area where she first showed up and then went to all those places on the edge of that circle. You know, and there were there weren't there were there were only a couple of cities that fell into that sure, perfect no. twelve hundred mile line. I'm with and a lot you. of it ended up in the ocean too. Yeah, I gotcha. That, that so was... he went to all those different places until he found uh, the Danes, the Dane family. <laughs> I'm looking for Lorna Dane. Does anybody know Lorna Dane? She's got green hair. Oh, come this way, son. <laughs> all right. All of that aside, apparently this is the wake-up call she needed because now she's all like, oh, then I'm not the queen of these twisted beings. How, Bobby, you've lifted such a crushing stone from my soul. And she she hugs Bobby here. He's got to be cold. She sticks to him because her skin instantly freezes on contact. <laughs> now, this girl has no willpower of her own. She's just like... Remember when we first met her and Iceman's like, you want to come back to my place? And she's like, oh, I could never turn anybody down or whatever she said. And now it's like, I'm your father and you're evil. Okay, I'm going to go kill the X-Men. And Iceman comes in and is like, you're not evil, you're adopted. She's like, okay, let's go kill Magneto. Like, <laughs> seriously, she's got no mind of her own. Yeah, it's the 60s. <laughs> oh, she's got green hair. She's been raised yeah. poorly. By parents who left her behind. She when... doesn't exist. She's just a paranoid delusion of a acid trip gone wrong. <laughs> Kooky green hair, man. <laughs> yeah, and then I met this girl with green hair. So she goes off to battle Magneto. And um, we cut back to uh, a bunch of the Santerans have I, uh, Angel at gunpoint. And the other three X-Men are at a standoff with them and, Me- and Mesmero. But in one blinding instant, the tables are amazingly turned with a grizz, which seems to be the sound effect of the day. I think it's been on every page. The sound effect du jour, if you will. <laughs> and uh, it's Lorna Dane. My daughter, have you gone mad? Are you aiding those who would crush your own father to the ground? I have no father. He was crushed to earth long ago in an airliner. You invested the cruelest lie of all to steal my mutant powers. Meh. (laughs) And so I destroy you with the very power that you helped me to develop. So she's got magnetic powers, but she's not actually any relation of Magneto's. Boy, I wonder if this is ever going to be retconned. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, and so, as the evil mutants sink into the sea, we must say goodbye to Parasite Island. So, basically, she omit emits a large... Wait a minute now. I misread this panel. This panel, the, second, the third to last panel, where Magneto's like, My daughter, have you gone mad? There's like a red energy thing separating them. 
Mm-hmm. I thought that Magneto was in the same room as them, but she's telepath. He's telepathically talking to her. Oh, weird. Because, uh, and the, the only reason I say that, I mean, the only reason that makes sense. Now I'm, I'm probably reading way too much into this, but in the next panel, she unleashes all of her powers. The Suntarans go flying, and in the last panel, Nesmiro's all laying in the corner. His suit's all broken up and 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 broken, and apparently. Everybody's down, and uh, Cyclops is like, we got to get out of here. Or no, we got to go find Magneto. Right. Save the quips. The greatest rogue of all is still on the loose. Follow me. Too late, lollipops. Lollipops? (laughs) Magneto's done a disappearing act. And listen, he left a taped message. So, in other words, Magneto was in a different room telepathically communicating with Lorna Dane. Yeah, I guess so. I'm leaving a taped message. I want to reestablish that he's got uh, telepathic powers. Before I escape, I need to let the X-Men know something, so I better tape it. (laughs) (laughs) As the place is blowing up around him. Or he just knew he was going to be defeated, and he's like, well, I've got two tapes. I've got my awesome defeat tape in which I revel in their misery, or I've got the one where they beat me. (laughs) And as he's running out the door, he's like, damn, I've got to use the the one where they beat me. The tape basically says, "Goodbye, guys. I left the place bombing. I left. The, I left an explosive in, in the in the kingdom. So, goodbye." Yeah. And the X Men are like, "That's the oldest trick in the book." He bluffs us into clearing us out of there. Well, he waits outside with a fistful of TNT. Says Beast, the smart one. Mm-hmm. I believe Magneto has rigged other bases to explode on the X Men, and it it never works. So, I mean, this this really isn't out of the norm. No, he did mine this entire place. I can sense it. Mental vibrations remain in the room. Run, all of you! So she's developed her Professor Xavier telepathic (laughs) scanning of bombs in the room. Pretty awesome. So they run out, and they're like, oh, I hope you're right, because we might be running into a trap. And then they get out the door, and they're like, oh, nope, no trap. You're right. (laughs) Iceman whips up a quick shield, and they're safe. And the city explodes with a mighty Batwoman. I mean, Batwoom. <laughs> Batwoom. And then we flip back to the mansion where everybody's in their plane. Well, I guess I assume this is the mansion. I guess we don't know where they are. They're somewhere. They're, yeah, they're somewhere with a green chair to match Lorna's green hair. And they're talking about how Lorna is Bobby's nurse. And Bobby and Lorna are all giggly and in love and going out to the Frisco Tech. Yeah. Which is a hot nightclub where Bobby's taking muscular therapy. So what about Zelda? Are we done with Zelda? Or don't care? I don't know. Zelda may be back. Hmm. We'll find out. Okay. Yeah, all right. Uh, and then, I mean, if they're in the mansion and, like, Lorna's living with them, that's hot. I mean, you know what that <laughs> means, right? That's pretty exciting for, for Bobby. Yeah. Well, Yeah. He wakes up every morning. He's like, ah, how'd you guys sleep? And they're like, fine. How'd you sleep, Bobby? He's like, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> and next, gather ye rosebuds while ye may, X-Men, for in a short while the cry will ring forth, Cyclops, wanted, dead, or alive. And I hope it has something to do with the ye old timey speak there. <laughs> Or the classic Bon Jovi tune. <laughs> yes. So this gets this Lorna Dane story gets retconned in about four hundred issues. It's gonna take four hundred issues to get retconned? 
Yes, it'll take 400 issues to realize that nobody ever resolved the issues of Lorna Dane's parentage. Why are you telling me this? Because I, I happen to be reading an article about the very issue where they talk about Lorna Dane's parentage. I always just assumed that Magneto was her father. Well, we'll find out in 400 <laughs> issues. <laughs> well, I mean, I thought, well, okay, all right, fair enough. I think I thought we found that out a lot sooner than that, but... Uh... But okay, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. So there you go, everybody. That's that's the uh, the origin, uh, sort of, of Lorna Dane. Uh, and uh, whether or not she's an X-Men, I, I don't know, but she's hanging out with them now. Yeehaw. So we get a awesome, uh, hopefully the last chapter of the Beast Origins. Oh, it's not the last chapter. Damn it! These <laughs> <laughs> Beast Origins are so boring. The Crimes of the Conquistador, this, this one, one is called. Yeah, it's written by El Prolifico Drake, El Terrifico Roth drew it, El Gigantico Vorputin inked it, and I don't know what, Hieroglyphico by Rosen, yep. who's the letter, it's so, so bad. <laughs> <sighs> we... So where we left off with this story last issue was that Beast was being held prisoner and being forced to make a choice to work for El Conquistador or his parents would die. Yeah. Adam, you know that El Conquistador means the Conquistador, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> We've established that? Yes. Okay. I, he, there's a trident that uh, El Conquistador is holding and he is zapping Beast. Beast is retelling about this ultimatum that he's been given. Well, no, this takes place before the whole ultimatum thing. Didn't we see the ultimatum in the last issue, though? Yeah, this this cuts like a couple minutes earlier oh, or a couple hours earlier or something. The story doesn't even make any logical sense. Uh, the El Quistador, El Conquistador, I'm just going to call him El Quistador. <laughs> El Quistador blasts him, and uh, they hold him prisoner. He shows off his mighty triton. Yeah, it's like a sword, but it turns into a trident, which is kind of neat. But it seems like it'd be kind of flimsy, because you'd have, like, all those joints and pins and stuff. So, like, as soon as you stab somebody, like, both of those trident sides would fall off, you would think. It doesn't look like he stabs anybody. It looks like he blasts with it. Oh. <laughs> I guess you're right. And which beast makes a mighty, yeah! Oh, and I guess we should say that the plot here is that the U.S. government has an electronic device that has almost unlimited amounts of energy or something, and it's very small. So, if Beast can capture that device for El Conquistador, then El Conquistador can outfit some sort of doomsday device and take over the world. Is that about right, Adam? And Beast is like, no way... And El Quistador is like, yes way, because I got your parents. And Beast is like, oh man. Fine, I'll do it. And then we flip to the mansion where we see classic X-Men. Angel, Iceman, Cyclops, Professor X. Yeah, they're all here. All of your favorites. And they're talking about, oh, where did that kid go? He's no longer being detected by the cerebral signal the professor has. I don't think they know about Cerebro yet. Oh, but let's find out. 
because the professor says, hey, I've been working on an electronic brainwave detector far more sensitive than my own natural abilities. It's still top security, though, so you three remain here. Well, I see that if that if that can tell us the boy's whereabouts. So it's it's three young boys living with an old man who doesn't trust him with their secrets. <laughs> and makes them dress up in little uh, tight pajamas. Yes. <laughs> There's nothing creepy about this scenario here. Perfe- you know the professor's got peepholes into the changing room. Yes, just go oh, in there, boys, and change. For sure. I don't know if I like this. I feel like someone was mentally messing with my shorts. <laughs> I guess you wouldn't even need the peephole because it'd be like, Cyclops, change. I feel <laughs> suddenly feel the strangest urge to change. I normally don't get naked in front of bald old men in wheelchairs, but, you know, feels natural, feels right. <laughs> and we get our first introduction to Cerebro. It's in its first stages of perfection, but it works pretty well. It's first stage of perfection? Is that a real colloquialism? The first stage of perfection. Well, there's many stages of perfection, Adam. <laughs> Wouldn't the first stage be the one? <laughs> there's kind of perfect, sort of perfect, <laughs> almost perfect, nearly perfect, and then perfect perfect. All right. So he's like four stages away from being perfect. I'm perfect. pretty sure there's only one stage of perfect, and that is perfect. <laughs> and anyways. At any rate, it works, and they figure out where... Beast it or uh, Hank McCoy is, and they send uh, the prisoner sends the rest of the X Men after him. Mm-hmm. Back to El Conquistador, he's like, "Okay, here we are. There's a fence there, and you're gonna jump over it. And there's two so guards." Bobby jumps over it and uh, sneaks into some it. sort of military uh, base, grabs some sort of thing, but then the sonic detectors go off. What is this? It looks like a vase with three uh, rearview mirrors sticking out of it. You're skipping over all of the uh, setup here, Adam. It's a, it's an experimental nuclear reactor. Well, I knew if I skipped over it and there was something important, you would bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> but for the life of me, I didn't see anything important. <laughs> it looks like a Fabergé egg in some sort of holder contraption. That's the best I can come up with. And Beast grabs it, and then the cops come in, and Beast just, he kind of ricochets off them and jumps out. Yeah, he escapes and kicks them both in their guts, knocking them out. He's already a bastard. <laughs> well, he's not letting them die or anything. He's not like Iceman, who's like freezing people to, de- to death. But as he kicks them, he tells them, uh, this crude and inhospitable manner of mine is neither voluntary nor in true character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in other words, it's not my fault. Uh, I'm not fully in control of myself. So he bounds over the fence and he runs back to El Conquistador, who says, Finally, I have endless electronic power for my inventions. I am indomitable. Could you cool your rapturous maunderings? Maunderings. Maunderings. Long enough to release my parents as mutually agreed? And it's at this point that El Conquistador slaps Hank McCoy across the face and says, Shut your mouth, boy. Your parents will remain where they are indefinitely as permanent hostages against your rebellious spirit until you are no further use to me. The end. Yeah, and Beast is never heard from again. (laughs) 
He'll show up as a villain later, working for El Conquistador. Enter his twin brother, Hank McCoy, <laughs> who has similar mutant powers, who ends up working with the X-Men. Right, this is Bart McCoy. <laughs> yes. I, we may have said Hank earlier. That was, uh, we were just, uh, you know, we just weren't paying attention to the text. We were just joshing you. Yes. Okay, young X-Men, if ever there was a situation that demanded your exceptional expertise, this is it. Translation, H-E-L-P. Next issue, Help, Beast. I need somebody. Joins the club. So next issue is probably the last part. I sure hope so. <laughs> uh, can't just be me. Beast origin story is the worst. It's got El Conquistador. I can't say his name properly, but it's got El Conquistador, which is like the worst villain. There you have it, folks. Issue number 52. In the books, as it were. Yay. So We if, didn't get any letters this week. Oh, that's okay. Um, we're a bit ahead of schedule, so as you're listening to this, you've no doubt already just watched the wonderful video podcast of episode 54, or issue number 50. So we're going to have piles of mail to talk about in our next episode. I'm positive of it. Whoa. <laughs> But in case you don't know where to get a hold of us at, you can go to www.redcatproductions.com forward slash danger room or facebook.com forward slash danger room or the Twitter at danger room go. Yeah, I, I tweeted something the other day on it. I saw, man, it was stinky. <laughs> it was a stinky tweet. Is that what the kids say these days? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not hip with the kids. And you can also go to iTunes and search for us. If you just type in X-Men and scroll down to the podcast section, and sadly we're not the one of the first two, but we're the third one on there, and you can click on that, and you can subscribe and leave feedback and download to your heart's content. You could also just search for Danger Room, in which we are the first one. Ah, good point. And uh, is there are there any other way that they one might get? Oh, you could email us also at uh, dangerroom at redcapproductions.com. And again, if you haven't checked out the video podcast version, it's it's kind of neat. Put a lot of time into it. It's like a living comic book almost, living comic book review. Go check it out. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, and you can find that at uh, redcapproductions.com forward slash dangerroom under the episode 54. Or you could search for it on YouTube. Yeah. I don't know what you would search for, but I bet you'd find it if you searched for it. I'm pretty sure if you typed in Danger Room City of Mutants, you would find it. Or Sweet. you can you can subscribe to 8-Bit Red Cat, and then you'll get all of all of the videos that I publish. Yes. Because we're gonna do we're gonna do one of every issue from now on. <laughs> yes. Adam gets to experience the joy that I got I went through, and then he'll never say <laughs> what he said there. <laughs> it, was a, it was a lot of work. And I'm going to fly out every week. That'd be kind of cool. That would mean that you're making some bucks. Yeah, I couldn't afford that. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else to add to this one? Nope. All right. Well, until next week, X-Fans, the danger room is closed.
I never saw that movie, so I'm going to have to agree with you. No, just trust me. Rent it. It's on Netflix, I'm sure. I, I've seen Jason X yeah? and Jason versus Freddy. Wait, and you've seen the first one, right? I've never seen the first one. What? Okay, I've Adam. I've seen the first Nightmare on Elm Street. What you need to do after this podcast <laughs> <laughs> is you need to go on to Netflix and get yourself a copy of the first Friday the 13th movie because all things said about that series, it is actually a pretty good movie. If you say so. I do say so. And 4 is actually pretty good, too. I'm not a big fan of the horror genre. Oh. It's never my thing. I'm very disappointed. I like schlocky horror. Mm. All right. Well, as we open up the comic book, <laughs> we... <laughs> on this depressing note. Yeah. yeah. You've, you've, uh, I see you in a new light, Adam. And <laughs> not really... Sure, I want to do this podcast with you anymore. <laughs> oh, man. I like Halloween. That's not schlocky. It was good. It's I a, liked it. It's a good classic horror movie, and that's 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 Halloween. Wait, actually, Halloween was the precursor to uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Friday the 13th, and probably Nightmare on Elm Street. That movie was what, what opened up the doors for other directors to be like, wait a minute, I, that, that counts as a movie? I want to make that movie. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. So, and then I think Last House on the Left was even a precursor to that, but that's not really like supernatural horror. I don't know if I've seen that or not. Well, um, I can't recommend that movie in good conscience. It's like, it's a good movie, but like, it's just not a great premise. So it's not like, for those of you who have seen Last House on the Left, you don't go around being like, Last House on the Left? That was an awesome movie, just due to the (laughs) premise of the movie. Because then people are like, you're sick. What's wrong with you? Can we talk about this comic book, Adam? <laughs> all right, all right. 